In the first two podcasts, we have examined the nature of knowledge systems, the degree of certainty that they provide, and how our acquisition of knowledge is influenced by the ways of knowing that we must necessarily use to gain that knowledge. In this final introductory podcast, we tackle three related topics that will complete our inquiry into how to approach topics in theory of knowledge, taking ideas from the course guide as our compass. The topics are personal knowledge, shared knowledge, and knowledge questions. We hope to learn the relationship of personal knowledge to shared knowledge and how we can frame knowledge questions to investigate personal and shared knowledge. Most knowledge claims begin as an idea developed by an individual, that is, as personal knowledge. Such knowledge depends crucially on the experiences of a particular individual and is gained through experience, practice, and personal involvement. It is personal because it's intimately bound up with the particular local circumstances of the individual, such as their past, their interests, and values. Personal knowledge therefore contributes to, and is in turn influenced by, an individual's personal perspective. Personal knowledge consists of skills I have mastered, life lessons I have learned, the results of formal and informal learning, in short, the sum total of my life experiences. Given its uniqueness, it's often more difficult to communicate this knowledge to others. Sometimes it has a stronger linguistic component and is communicable to others, but often it cannot easily be shared. For example, an experienced tea taster who has developed their palate through user of experience of tasting different teas will have a complex knowledge of tea taste. But the tea taster might find it difficult to describe the taste of a particular tea in words that can be understood by others. The taster might use metaphor or simile to try to relate the experience of drinking this tea to others, but the task is a difficult one. In this way, personal knowledge is frequently characterized by this difficulty in sharing. Personal knowledge also includes a map of our personal experiences of the world. It is formed from a number of ways of knowing, such as our personal memories, our perceptions of the world, the emotions that accompany them, the values and significance we place on such thoughts and feelings. Personal knowledge is not static, but changes and evolves over time. Personal knowledge changes in response to our experiences. What is known by an octogenarian could be quite different from what he or she knew at 20 years of age. The various ways of knowing we have discussed earlier, of course, contribute to these changes. Shared knowledge, in contrast, is highly structured, is systematic in its nature, and is the product of more than one individual. Much of us is bound together into more or less distinct areas of knowledge, such as the familiar group of subjects studied in the diploma program. While individuals contribute to it, shared knowledge does not depend upon the contributions of any one particular individual. There are possibilities for others to check and amend individual contributions and add to the body of knowledge that already exists. It is, in a word, objective. Examples of shared knowledge abound in the IB curriculum. As we will study, math is a collective enterprise that stretches all the way back to the Greeks, and thinkers in every century have added to, modified, improved, and extended its scope. Most of our activities in the everyday world, from the simple to the complex, are the result of multiple people working together for a common goal. The bus that may have brought you to school today was not assembled by a lone craftsman, but by an array of workers, each charged with one specific task. The phone that is your lifeline is assembled in different pieces by people from many different countries, none of whom could create a phone by themselves. Shared knowledge changes and evolves over time 
because of the continued applications of the methods of inquiry, all those processes covered by the knowledge framework. Applying the methodology belonging to an area of knowledge has the effect of changing what we know. These changes might be slow and incremental. Areas of knowledge possess a certain stability over time. However, they could also be sudden and dramatic. Revolutionary shifts in knowledge or paradigm shifts as an area of knowledge responds to new experimental results or advances in an underlying theory. There might be areas of knowledge that are shared by all of us. The subject studied in the IB diploma might fall into this category. Of course, this is not the case that every IB student understands higher-level biology or geography, but rather it's knowledge that's available to subject to certain conditions. We're all members of other smaller groups, too. We're members of ethnic groups, national groups, age groups, gender groups, religious groups, interest groups, class groups, political groups, and so on. There might be areas of knowledge that we share as members of these groups which are not available to those outside, such as knowledge that is anchored in a particular culture or in a particular religious tradition. This might raise questions regarding the possibility of knowledge transgressing the boundaries of the group. Here are some examples of such questions. Is it really possible to have knowledge of a culture where we have not been raised? Are those outside a particular religious tradition really capable of understanding its key ideas? Does there exist a neutral position from which to make judgments about competing claims from different groups with different traditions and different interests? To what extent are our familiar ideas of knowledge embedded in a particular tradition, or to what extent might they be bound to a particular culture? Thinking about shared knowledge allows us to think about the nature of the group that does the sharing. It allows us to understand a world beyond our own experience. Clearly, there are links and interactions between shared knowledge and personal knowledge. The most obvious is that, initially, most shared knowledge arises from the creative insight of a thinker's personal knowledge. Visionary thinkers possess a way of looking at the world that allows them to see it in a different light. Sometimes, this initially personal insight leads to viewing a whole realm in a new way, and this way is open to investigation in the sphere of shared knowledge. So while an idea may have its origin in the unique circumstances of the individual, the insight may be able to be applied to a whole area of experience. In order to become shared knowledge, it has to be tested and viewed objectively by others in the same field. Consider the example of a scientist such as Albert Einstein, who's contributed much to modern physics. Clearly had some personal qualities that enabled him to see further than some of his peers. He had personal knowledge, a way of looking at things perhaps that he was able to use to propel his exploration of the difficult questions that characterized the physics of the early 20th century. But his insights had to go through a thorough process of review before being accepted as a part of the shared body of knowledge that is the discipline of physics. We have been speaking as though the development of knowledge is a one-way street, with aspects of personal knowledge being developed into shared knowledge, but the process also works in reverse. Personal knowledge can be shaped by shared knowledge. Not only do the familiar areas of knowledge impinge on our personal experiences, someone studying psychology might regard everyday human behavior in a different light as a result of studying psychology, but shared knowledge as membership of our cultural, ethnic, gender, and other groups might influence our worldview. This is what we call perspective. Membership 
in such groups provides a horizon against which the significance of the events of our lives is measured. Acknowledgments of such perspectives is an important goal of the Theory of Knowledge course. It is important to note that, from an individual perspective, shared knowledge often appears in the form of authority, a source of knowledge whose justification is not immediately available to the individual. An example here is the authority of medical science to the patient who is not trained in medicine. However, that authority must, can also be used to suppress thought, and such shared knowledge must always be examined critically. It is apparent that our efforts in TOK reflect a balance between shared knowledge and personal knowledge. Too much emphasis on the personal at the expense of the shared is likely to result in a course that is oriented towards the subjective experience of the students and does not look at the knowledge beyond the individual to how knowledge is constructed in the wider world. There is a tendency for such a course to become a succession of personal anecdotes strung together with little or no analysis. Weighting the course in the opposite direction risks losing the important links between areas of knowledge and the individual knower. Shared knowledge has a significant value for the individual that gives it relevance and importance. There is a danger such that a TOK course could become too dry and fact-oriented. Making the distinction central to the course brings the balance of these two elements to the forefront. Knowledge Questions Thus far in this podcast, we have focused upon the production of knowledge and how it operates in both the personal and shared spheres. Now we turn our attention to how we examine that knowledge. Since theory of knowledge, areas of knowing mirror in many cases the disciplines you've already studied, the natural sciences, the human sciences, mathematics, history, and the arts, you may well ask, what is the difference about how we are going to look at these disciplines? In order to explain this, we need to distinguish between what we refer to as first and second order questions. In your IB classes, the focus is mainly on first order questions. First order questions, or KQs, ask direct questions about the world. They have a narrow scope related to a specific aspect of an area of knowledge or way of knowing. They generally, but not always, ask, what do we know about X? Second-order questions, what we call knowledge questions or KQs, ask questions about the process of finding out about the world. They have a broad scope related to one or more entire areas of knowledge or ways of knowing. They generally, but not always, ask, How do we know X? It is not that second-order questions are harder than first-order questions. As any higher-level student can attest, first-order questions can be plenty difficult. But rather, the second-order questions are asking about something different. Let us give an example of the difference. In economics, you might study the Great Depression of the 1930s and would examine models that attempt to explain what happened. This is a very difficult undertaking as multiple theories agree on the facts yet come to opposing conclusions. This is certainly not a simple first-order question. A second-order question, on the other hand, takes a step back and asks about the process being used to gain that first order knowledge. A knowledge question from this real-life situation might be, to what degree can models successfully explain events in the world? As you can see, this question is more abstract and seeks to understand the methods that are being used in any human science investigation. These are the sort of questions, KQs, that TOK focuses on. Well, the first three podcasts have explained systems of knowledge, how they work, and how we can determine reliability. 
Further, we have examined the ways of knowing and how they connect us both to the world and how they influence the knowledge we gain through them. Finally, we have examined knowledge production in both the personal and shared spheres and have examined the sort of approach we want to take to understand them better. The subsequent podcasts take up these issues in the context of the different disciplines or areas of knowledge. Each is self-contained, and you most likely want to view them in the order that you study them in your TOK class. It is hoped that these first three podcasts have provided a toolkit with which you may explore the areas of knowledge. Thank you for listening to this podcast.